This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. During the summer months, sometimes it is a little bit extra hard to put together a radio show. One factor is that it gets to be like 104 degrees, which tends to make people cranky and, and not willing to do anything. Also, the rate at which people are pitching items tends to drop off during the summer months. And when the host of the program is desperate to get away from the Central Valley heat and traipsing back and forth to the coast, well, that, that just complicates matters further. Now, on last week's program, we were quoting from a, a marvelous book that I, I recommend to everyone, The First Casualty by Philip Knightley. We were surprised to learn that Mr. Knightley's still alive, and we, we may try and get him on the show, but uh, there's, the chapters in it are just very hard-hitting, let's put it that way. I was planning to quote from that on today's program, but I've decided to just take a lighter, just 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 a an, an easier run at today's show and, and, and talk to some people that I've met, uh, in one case recently, in one case a long time ago, and uh, talk about their stories, both of which I think you will find interesting. In our second segment today, we'll speak with Bob Silvestri, a uh, political activist, I guess you might say, in Marin County, who's doing some pretty good work down there. He's our kind of guy. And in segment three, I'm going to talk to an old pal who's been doing some good work of late with her camera. My good pal Colleen Gino has taken some spectacular images which have been picked up and Twittered all over the place. She promises to be a most amusing chat in our third segment today. But let's start the show as we traditionally like to do with On This Date in History. Our date today is the 30th of July. You know, which, which just reminds me out of the blue that Colleen took a picture recently of Orion rising in the east before sunrise, which it does this time of year. And in, I guess, a week or two, uh, the star Sirius will just peak above the horizon before the sun shows up, which is why we call this the dog days of summer, early August, because the dog star reappears. In ancient Egypt, this is the time that the Nile would traditionally flood, so they paid a lot of attention to when, when the dog days began. But I digress. Now here's a curious item. It was on July 30th in 1760 that the end of London, England came about as the walled city took down three of its gates and sold them for scrap. It was on July 30th in 1839 that African slaves took over the Spanish slave ship Amistad and killed most of the Spanish on board. Two months later, the boat was found off the coast of New York. The U.S. Supreme Court, in a case argued by former U.S. President John Quincy Adams, he was our sixth president, stated that the Africans were free men and women. They were never citizens of Spain and were not guilty of murder for the deaths of the crewmen during the takeover. Red Letter Day for breakfast, July 30th, was on July 30th in 1894 that cornflakes were invented by the brothers Will Keith Kellogg and Dr. John Harvey Kellogg. They managed a hospital and health spa in Battle Creek, Michigan. The Kellogg's stressed healthful living and had their patients on a strict diet without caffeine, meat, alcohol, or tobacco. But presumably quite a bit of cornflakes. It was on July 30th in 1956 that the phrase, In God We Trust, was adopted as the U.S. national motto. Although it was originally stamped on coins during the Civil War, it was officially adopted in response to the growing influence of the Soviet Union with its well-known atheism. 
And on this date in 1980, the island chain of the New Hebrides gained independence from Britain and France, and from that point forward was known as Vanuatu, home of the world's best kava kava. And on July 30th in 2003, the last old-style Volkswagen Beetle rolled off an assembly line in Mexico. Excuse me, Doug, uh, Donald Trump on line one. Donald Trump. Yes. Uh, all right. Is this Mr. Trump? The Donald is in the house. He's in the house. Uh, let me tell you, you're lucky to have me. I, I just like to put college radio on alert. If they'll play ball, good things can happen, Okay. I could use some support from the young. Of course, if they're on the ball, they're already on Team Trump. I see. Well, uh, well, Mr. Trump, we're honored, I think. You certainly should be. When Trump reaches out, you should be ready, like Miss Venezuela or, or Roy Cohen or John McCain, frankly. I, I want to tell you that McCain isn't the only guy that ever had to face enemy fire. You know, when I was collecting the rent for my old man, I had to go deep into some tough neighborhoods, Doug, tough. Let me tell you, when you knock on those doors, you better have your ass parked in front of the wall. That way only your hand is exposed when Cleotis fills up the doorway. Capiche? And believe me, some of those dudes fill the whole frame. That guy, that guy called the refrigerator, I used to go toe-to-toe with his cousin. Uh, so, so you think the icebox? Yeah, they call them the icebox. You think that's comparable to serving time in the Hanoi Hilton? Look, Doug, I don't know where they get off with all that Hilton stuff. I know for a fact there were no Hiltons in North Vietnam back in the day. They don't even have one now. You got to go to Singapore. They were being ironic. It was a prison camp, Mr. Trump. Something you evidently know nothing about. Hey, pal, I've been in some real dives over the years. One time, the limo broke down in Sarasota, Florida, and the cell towers were out for some damn reason. I had to hole up in an Econo 8 till morning. It was a nightmare. No laundry service. You should have seen the so-called spa. I think they had a jacuzzi and a weight room. Nightmare. But listen, when I say I like guys that are not captured, I mean it. Nobody ever took the Donald hostage, and nobody will. And that Mexican who says he'll fix my wagon, what's his name? El Guapo, El Grupo, El Chalupa, the escape artist. You mean El Chapo Guzman, the, 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 the drug dealer? Yeah, the Enchirito, whatever. I got the FBI around me. He may be able to worm his way out of Mexican prison, but coming into my backyard is another ball game. I don't care if I made him mad. And listen, Doug, guys like him are dime a dozen. Okay, guys like him just prove me right when I say that Mexico ain't exactly sending us their top people. I'd probably fire them in an hour. But let me add that a certain number of these hombres and senoritos are A-OK in my book. Trump, Inc. wouldn't do as well as we do were it not for some of the dishwashers, gardeners, and maids we hire from south of the border. Okay? Capiche? If we can just keep the good ones, we'll come out of this just fine. Maids? Yes. Rapists? No. How is it your remarks are resonating with the public? No matter how out there you go, people seem to be eating it up. That's because I know how to work a crowd, Mr. Smart Guy, University Radio Maven. One of my heroes is Flo Ziegfeld. The guy had style. He knew how to appeal to the public with his follies. What, you think people give a rat's ass about trade deficits and whether the Chinese are spying on us? With Trump in the White House, you'll see us learning more about them 
then they'll learn about us. I'm an idea guy, Doug. Wait till I outline my platform. Ah, well that, what a concept, a platform. Are there any hints of actual policies we might expect from you in the future? Well, you want some titillation? Okay. People like space stuff, right? When I'm president, I'll serve up a new goal, a real JFK, man-on-the-moon kind of angle. I'll set up the Trump-Mars Express and send this off to the red planet. Pronto. The beauty of my idea, Doug, is that we can use illegal aliens. We'll give them a chance, and we'll give them a choice. Either we deport you to whatever hellhole you got away from, or we give you training and use you in a crew for spaceships going to Mars. And I don't oh. mean some low-rent NASA Motel 6 in space. I'll put them up in luxury penthouse-style arrangements for going out to land on Mars. It'll be very classy, Doug. Class right down to the monogram spacesuit. Oh, my. Seriously. Why not? Those people work wonders with gardens and agriculture. Get them to Mars, and I predict they'll be growing chili peppers and squash in a month. By their first year, I envision Trump brand tequila, fresh from the farm and interplanetary distillery. <sighs> How any, uh, Who any... says I don't got big ideas? Yeah, you sure do. Any foreign policy initiatives? I don't know. Other places don't interest me much. I say we bring places like Idaho up to Manhattan standards. The French and the Germans can fend for themselves. I would take good care of Israel, though. I, that I can promise my New York constituents, Doug. Also, the Vatican. How come they don't get a vote in the U.N.? Well, Mr. Trump, a president will have no direct power over the United Nations. Oh, yeah? That building is sitting right there in the Hudson. If those clowns from the Bongo Congo want to keep their lease, they better take a good look at how they're operating over there. I think I could see to it that the whole kit and caboodle will have to pack up and go to Geneva or maybe The Hague. <laughs> when they've got enough of cuckoo clocks and big old wheels of cheese, I suspect they'll be ready for some more uptown action in the Big Apple. Know what I mean? Because if you don't, they do. We got women that turn heads. Not something you see in National Geographic. This is of considerable interest to Sambo from Togo, believe you me. Anyway, I gotta go. I hope you learned something. Yeah, well, rest assured, we learned something. You guys in California, keep working those fields. Like I say, we're gonna need some high-tech plants for the Trump Mars Express, along with some of your Mexicans. Okay, I'm out of here. Uh, well, Donald Trump, the GOP frontrunner, and God help us all. Our quote today comes from one-time presidential candidate Adlai Stevenson, who once said, It is often easier to fight for principles than to live up to them. Our quote today comes from former California governor and Supreme Court Chief Justice Earl Warren, who once said, Don't complain about growing old. Many people don't have that privilege. Our joke today is as follows. A couple have been spending money at such an alarming rate they didn't think they'd be able to afford a holiday next year. So, the husband came up with a bright idea for a savings plan. Whenever they had sex, he would put $20 into a piggy bank. A year later, when he emptied the piggy bank to see how much they'd saved, he was puzzled. He turned to his wife and said, Every time we've had sex, I put a $20 bill in there. But there are 50s and 100s in there, too. The wife said, You know, that's just your trouble. You think everybody's as stingy as you are. The best things in life are free. But you can give them to the birds and bees. I want money. That's what I want. Our anecdote of the week is, evidently a 77-year-old veteran got fired from his job as a Florida toll booth collector 
because he evidently used his own money to cover a driver's $5 fare. Sam Sansonoff said, In my eyes, there was no crime committed. I was just helping someone out. And we are happy to report that the firing has upset many in the community who have launched a Facebook page to show their support for the toll taker and posted messages for Mr. Samsonov on their own pages as well as those on local media. Maybe this will shame the authorities into rehiring him. We hope so. Our good news of the week for today's program is that scientists have evidently found the closest match yet to an Earth out there in deep space. Kepler 552b is 60% larger in diameter than our planet Earth and circles its very much sun-like star in a year that takes 385 days. We'd like to learn more, but uh, unfortunately the planet and star are 1,400 light years away, which makes it a little tough to spy on. Our stat of the week is $500. That's the approximate amount of damage done to an English pub by an inebriated squirrel. Evidently, the arboreal rodent somehow broke into an English pub and evidently accidentally turned on a beer tap and then drank his fill. When the pub owner, Sam Bolter, found the premises covered in spilled beer and broken glass, he initially thought he'd been burglarized. And then an inebriated squirrel stumbled out. Said Bolter, he looked a bit worse for the wear. Bolter added, it's safe to say he is now barred for life. Aww. All right, at this point, let's jump into the good, the bad, and the ugly. According to the Week magazine, it was a good week last week for Nigel Richards after the New Zealander, and this is this is amazing, won the French language Scrabble World Championship despite not being able to speak French. Richards memorized all the words in a French dictionary. Said a Scrabble expert, he's the greatest Scrabble player of all time, hands down. To that, we'd have to say, we. Oui. And it was a bad week last week for the reputation of millennials in the wake of a college student in Georgia calling a radio station to to complain about her parents' refusal to pay her senior year tuition after she spent much of her $90,000 college fund on clothes and a trip to Europe. The 22-year-old caller, identified only as Kim, said, I know they're trying to teach me a lesson and blah, blah, blah. And pointing out that getting a college loan and a job to pay bills, she said, quote, can have such a negative effect on my grades and as a person, unquote. And it was an ugly week for rapper 50 Cent this past week with the news that he evidently tried to get out of paying damages in a lawsuit by claiming he was broke. Evidently, 50, I guess if you're friends, you get to call him 50, said his fast cars and his bling, including numerous thick gold chains and a 65-carat diamond ring, were all borrowed to make him look rich, adding, hip-hop culture is aspirational. And it was both a bad and ugly week this week for indiscretions with the news that hackers have threatened to reveal the identities of tens of millions of users of Ashley Madison, which is, in case you're not familiar and... I'm I'm really not, an internet matching service for married people who are seeking extramarital affairs. 
All right. And though I mentioned at the top of the show, we were not going to, at least on today's program, delve back into um, Philip Knightley's book, The First Casualty, although it's well worth some spending some time there. I do want to note that, as promised, something like a year ago, maybe two years ago in this program, that when I found the article I was given as a child on some war reporting, um, dating back to April of 1865, I would comment on it. I now have that in front of me. It did amaze me, even as a child, above the, uh, the dissembling of politicians. In this case, the piece quotes the last proclamation of Confederate President Jefferson Davis. The dateline is Danville, Virginia, April 5th, 1865. And if you know anything about the Civil War, you know things weren't going so well with the Confederacy by that point in time. They were pretty much finished. In fact, at this point in time, the Confederate capital of Richmond, Virginia, had fallen to Union forces. But (laughs) Jefferson Davis was doing his best to put some good spin on it. Noted the newspaper at the time, he thinks the fall of Richmond a blessing in disguise as it leaves the rebel armies free to move from point to point. Yes, your capital f- falls to hostile forces and you comment that this, this may be a blessing in disguise. And yes, as per the great book by John Stauber and Sheldon Rampton, Toxic Sludge is Good for You, which they did borrow from a Tom Tomorrow cartoon. All right, I think it's time we heard from our old pal, America's foremost political comic, Mr. Will Durst. Hey, guys. Will Durst here with a few choice words about Donald the Comb-Over Trump, who has proven to be more annoying to the Republican Party than a mouse stuck in an air conditioning unit. He's like that piece of popcorn that gets caught in the back of your molars and you can't get it out even with a toothpick. More grating than the Cars for Kids commercial. The real estate developer recently announced that if the GOP big boys don't stop saying mean things about him, he might just consider running as a third-party candidate. Better be real nice to me or I'll poop on your parade. It's pretty much the billionaire's threat. Other professions might call this extortion, but with these guys, it's just politics. And effective, as it resurrects uncomfortable memories in 1992, when GOP party stalwarts still blame Ross Perot for depriving Jeb Bush's daddy of a second term. Over on the Democratic side, Bernie Sanders vowed never to run as a third-party candidate, but that was before he started drawing crowds like a rock star. A 73-year-old socialist rock star, but a rock star nonetheless. Without the leather pants, thank God. And if he loses the Democratic nomination, Senator Sanders just might return to his independent ways and run on the Vermont loon ticket. And besides, by that time, he might be a fourth-party candidate. Then you consider that Ralph Nader is only eight years older than Bernie, so maybe we could convince him to return to the fray. And Pat Buchanan obviously still has things to say. And pretty soon we could be just like one of those third world countries that have like 18 candidates and the winner forms a coalition party with some of the also-rans and then they're forced to actually compromise. Nah, you're right. Couldn't happen here. For Radio Parallax, I'm Will Durst.
Yes, you do have to wonder about third and fourth party candidates. It's something that America probably could use a little bit of. Well, the last meaningful attempt we had at a third party was the Reform Party back in the 90s, headed by Ross Perot. If there was one thing you can get the Democrats and Republicans to agree upon in this country, maybe the only thing, is that they don't want any other parties at the table. In the year 2000, the Reform Party was hijacked by Pat Buchanan, who ran as a reform candidate in 2000. He did quite a bit of good, of course. It was that famous butterfly ballot down in Florida that transferred something like 2,000 votes from Al Gore to Pat Buchanan. That was one reason the Republicans were able to steal the election. Now, Will Durst uh, was on the Pat Thurston show on, on KGO not too long ago. Now, while listening to The Takeaway on NPR a few days ago, I heard a fascinating guest, Adam Roderick, author of Two Tyrants. Despite the fact that his interviewer on The Takeaway was a first-class jackass, Mr. Roderick was able to make quite a few good, solid points. Noted a reviewer in Amazon, although voters are less satisfied now than ever with the two major parties, they still maintain complete control of the American government. As Mr. Roderick pointed out in the program, Americans think that primary elections have something to do with the government. No. Their affairs run for private organizations, which is what the two political parties are. We will, in fact, add two tyrants, the myth of a two-party government and the liberation of the American voter to our short list of reads for the month of August. I can tell you if we have them on, we're going to do a better job than the knucklehead over at The Takeaway. All right, let's take a short break and then come back and talk with a Marin County political activist in the name of Bob Silvestri. This is going to be interesting. Stick around. 